it's time for Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Bee-boo-boo-bop? Boo-boo-beep-bop? Not bee-boo-boo-bop-beep-bop? Beep! Boo-boo-bop! I'm Micah. I was going to recommend that anime to you. Oh, really? Uh, I'm Matsy. I don't actually know what you were referencing there, but I'm making a joke about that... Um, What's it? I don't even know the title. (laughs) No, uh, it's the syllable bow. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Yeah, I don't know how many I might re-record it because I actually someone someone picky will say, no, that's not how that went. Anyway. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Did I say who I am? I'm Matsy. Yeah. So we're we do cartoons here and talk about them. Um, and a couple of times before we did this thing where we did cartoons with the theme, why does this exist? Why? Because they're incomprehensible. And it's like, what? Mm-hmm. Why did somebody make this? And so we figured, let's do that again. Mm. Um, so Micah gave me something called Cypher. Uh, it's the video or animation, um, mm. apparently based on a manga. We'll get into that. And then I gave Micah... Uh, some French cartoon called Ozzy and the Cockroaches. No, 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 no. Augie. Uh, did I say Ozzy? Yeah. That's silly. Yeah. I guess I was confused because in my experience, Augie is a doggy. <laughs> uh, right. But anyway, uh, let's talk about something else. <laughs> um, Micah, what, what besides Augie and Ozzy and Millie do you have? I always think of... Uh... Moe's stint on the little rascals in The Simpsons. When his marble gets stolen, he goes, My favorite Aggie! Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, Uh, for starters, um, it's Magic the Gathering's 30th anniversary. Oh, gosh, the people at work have been talking about this. So you've heard about this? Um, Kind of. I've heard in the background. Go ahead. Okay, so they're releasing their original set. um, Minus... Minus a few cards that deal with anti and some other cards that are inappropriate for the time. Um, like Crusade, for example, they got rid of. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so they're reprinting them, but also some of them they're printing in their old uh, card design and some of them they're doing in the new template. Okay. Yeah. Like So... I guess in a way you can collect more than one. You can get um, you can get lightning bolt in the old uh, card template, but you can also get it in the modern one too. Um, so like the old one will have the old white mana symbol and so on. And mm-hmm. yes, there's black Lotus in here. All the power nine are in there. All the moxes and, you know, time walk mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are not tournament legal. Well, I would hope. Yeah. Okay. So fine. Uh, The price for it is $1,000. Yes, that's what I heard. Like, like, I didn't know about the new card, like faces and stuff. Mm -hmm. I did wonder about that. But uh, these other details are what I overheard. Yeah. Presumably Uh, American dollars. Um, Presumably. Okay. So what do you get for $1,000? You Mm. get four booster packs. That's 15 cards a pack, two of them lands. Hmm. 60. So th- 60 cards, eight of them lands or more. <laughs> and uh, mm. not tournament legal for $1,000. They improved the rarity of dual lands, so you have a slightly better chance of getting them. But I think otherwise they've preserved those rarities. So what they're selling oh. is the thrill of potentially opening a black Lotus, which you're probably not going to do for your thousand dollars. And even if you do, you cannot play in any tournament setting. Yeah. Like, Oh good. I have a better chance to get a dual land that I can't use. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I suppose you could, you know, just play casually with them, but you also could print them up and (laughs) glue them to cards. Well, I mean, <sighs> it, it would be barely less official. I guess. I, anyway, it's ridiculous. I don't. 
it is ridiculous. Like, what is the point of collecting something that isn't the real thing? It's like, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of like an analog. It's like, it's like buying the, it's like if somebody made like, okay, a super rare NES game, Little Samson, one of the last, you know, everybody knows this. Mm. It's like one of the last NES games that was released. It's kind of rare. It's valuable. It's worth a bunch. Mm. So what if somebody just printed the cartridge right. without any of the circuitry inside and it doesn't work in your NES, but it comes in the same box and it has the same sticker on it and it looks like a Nintendo cartridge. It just doesn't work. Or even if it did work, but they just they constructed it, right? Like it's not the official old one. It would still not be worth that money because you're buying, you know. Well, I'm there's... like I'm I'm equating it to these cards that are not tournament legal. It's like, right. You can't plug this thing into your or if it's like it looks like a cartridge, but you open it up and it actually has a switch game card in it for little Samson. <laughs> what they should have done is make them tournament legal and then blown them, blown up the game. Although I think the bad will that would result would be worse than any profits they could make off of that. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But how much like not that many people own Black Lotuses. So how much bad will would there really be? I don't know. Uh, yeah. But also, like, if the if they did, like, the Black Lotuses and the Moxes and stuff in the new card face, mm-hmm. so it doesn't look, so it's like, oh, it functions like a Black Lotus. Right. But you can easily tell from looking at it that it's not a 1993 Black Lotus. Right. Hey! Hmm. Oh, I guess they're doing it next year, huh? I guess, just announcing it now. Yeah, because it just hit me as I said that, that, wait a minute, it's not 30 years, it's 29 Hmm. I hadn't really looked into it, but they had another unset recently. It was a uh, unlimited, I think. I don't uh, know. I, I hadn't really looked at it, but but a card or two that I'd seen seemed to imply that you would put stickers on cards as well. Huh. So I guess it's like uh, uh, Paper Mario kind of in that way, right? Oh boy. I don't. I don't mind the idea. That'd be pretty neat. Should be its own card mm. game, maybe even. Um. Yeah. Anyway, actually, you know, I, I meant to mention this a long while ago. Did you know that there's collectible Steven Universe cards? No, but it doesn't surprise me. I watched. Oh, I should have looked this guy up. The the uh, the YouTuber who did this. He he mostly uh, cracks a pack of Pokemon, I guess. Yeah. But he did. He cracked packs of uh, Steven Universe. Now, oh, neat. It's not a game. It's just. It's kind of like your traditional. A card game based on a proper card, rather collectible cards based on a property, where they'll a lot of the cards will just be stills from the show that'll be like uh, Peridot shows her meat morphs or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, a fair number of cards are signed by voice actors. Oh, yeah, like in pack, they're signed, they're 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 packed with signed cards, and some of the cards have sketches from uh, animators and other creatives on the show. Oh, that's cool. Pretty neat, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I would... Uh, something different. I would... All, you know what I'm thinking? Like, mm. Garnet, um, her voice actor, Estelle, is a musician, mm. a recording artist. Mm. So if you got, like, a signed Garnet, like, that's double impressive because it's not just a voice actor, it's a... Uh, famous recording artist she i think she did that song about uh american boys oh hmm. like, take me to new york i'd like to stay in la like, oh yeah, yeah yeah okay i think that's her huh so if you got her autograph in a pack of steven universe cards that's kind of cool actually you just reminded me there's also a bunch of cards in that collection where they're they've been cut so that they look like an album jacket with the disc coming out of it and they'll have like the name of a song on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. They've done a lot of interesting things with, you know, what could have been like a very standard, uh, cash grab that nobody cared about. Right. Right. So anyway, I just remember that thinking of card stuff. Um, yeah. Let's see. I, uh, watched more Simpsons. Okay. Um, so you remember last time I was saying that uh, a lot of the episodes seem to focus around phones? Yes. It's becoming of the air. Okay. 
Uh, there is one episode, they have to do this once a decade, I think, where Lisa has a Bleeding Gums Murphy episode. Oh, wow. Um, where Bleeding Gums gives her a clue about how to find his son. I think that's the point of the episode uh, that, that this is at. And he tells her to look in the phone book. And <laughs> then she's about to go and she says, what's a phone book? <laughs> yeah. And he laments, oh, I've been dead a long time. Doesn't really make sense, though, because he knew her. So, I mean, I, anyway. Well, she the timeline of The Simpsons. I mean, The Simpsons plays fast and loose with everything. Like, right. So maybe time. So maybe phone I mean, books didn't exist back then, but it's a force of habit for him because he's like a 70 year old man who died back then. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to look at the official, like think about the uh, flash forwards to the future. Yeah. Um, like Lisa should be president now. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Um, right. Or Mary DeMilhouse, depending on what future. Um, uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, there's a few different. It seems like they might have settled on that one as like the canon future because there's been more than one episode with that storyline where she's married to Milhouse and they have a daughter. Bart's divorced and has two sons. Maggie is the singer of a band. Mm. Uh, and she had a baby named Maggie Jr. Hmm. Actually, they, they they stirred something up. That I, I like this. They uh, they finally gave Bart a new teacher. Um, hmm. her, her name is Rochelle Payton, and hmm. uh, she contrasts pretty sharply from Mrs. Krabappel. Uh, she's actually a very qualified teacher who is sort of a go-getter. And mm. so, like, she has all kinds of enthusiasm and and different modern tacks for how to um, handle kids. All right. And uh, Bart has, like, ir- irrational reactions around her. Actually, I do like when the kids act like kids. And I did uh-huh. find a lot of the way he acted was very, like, uh, legitimately childlike. Mm-hmm. Um... And I kind of feel that Bart, not counting Maggie, of course, but Bart became the worst Simpson at some point because he really devolved. All he was was the other stupid one. (laughs) You know, like he used to be like a mischievous scamp who had, you know, plots and the like and schemes. Yeah. But then he just was stupid. And even in... um, even in Slideshow Bob episodes, they were really Lisa episodes. He was just tagging <laughs> along, right? You um, called him Slideshow Bob, which is funny because that's what Krusty does in one episode. Slideshow, that's it. that is his name, yeah? No, it's Sideshow. Is it? I oh, thought it wow. Was, I thought it was Slideshow because of the whistle. No, it's Sideshow because uh. of the circus theme. Huh. And there's and there's an episode where um, it's the episode where Lisa uh, makes a talking doll to counter the sexist Malibu Stacy. Right. Um, and she's re- when she's going to record lines for it. Krusty comes in to record lines for uh, a talking Krusty doll. And at one point he says, hey, kids, here's Slideshow Mel. S- strike that Sideshow Mel. Sideshow. Oh, See, and I thought you he just was... made this. You just made the same mistake. <laughs> and apparently it's a mistake you've been making for 30 years. I. <laughs> uh... I think this podcast has ended. I got to walk away and think about things. <laughs> you just had your Phoenix down moment. Yeah. Well, I assumed it was slideshow because Mel plays the sliding recorder, right? That, <laughs> I thought so. Huh? Wow. Well, anyway, I'm glad that Bart has this new character to play off of. And it seems like she'll be permanent. So okay. it'll add a dimension to his character, I think. Does she have a voice actress from outside the normal group? Yeah. She, speaking of actresses, they're singers. I think she is played by Carrie Washington. Hmm. hmm. Who dat? Yeah, it sounds vaguely familiar. This is actress, so I guess not a singer. I kind of thought you were going to. I was wondering if you were going to say Alanis Morissette. Because then that would just be them poaching the idea from the Great North. Ah, no, no, she's a, she's an actress. Okay. 
directed Reasonable Doubt, whatever that is. Mm. Mm. I don't know. At any rate, um, I think it's going to be a good character and a nice refresher for Bart. So it's pretty cool. Not good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I uh, watched the movie Persepolis. Oh, that movie's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that's cool. You've seen it. Uh, yes. I didn't watch it to be timely. It's it's about... Um, it's it's a autobiographical tale about Marjan Satrapi um, growing up during the Iranian Revolution and fundamentalist control. Yeah. Which I didn't look at to be, uh, <laughs> to be topical. I was yeah. just... Exploring my options on Roku because Roku has free stuff, and then I went, you know what? That movie I've I've wanted to watch that movie, so let's watch it. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll explain to listeners here. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's it's during the uh, revolution and the expulsion of the Shah. She's just like a little girl, but she's part of a family that's very politically motivated. She has an uncle that. Uh, wants to make like a communist revolution, but in the power vacuum, basically um, fundamentalist Islam just kind of moves in and takes over. Um, so this is her uh, growing up in this setting uh, and being an outspoken woman in, in, in a repressive society. Um, it's black and white. It's it's a French movie, but like I said, based in Iran and and for part of it in Austria. Well, yeah, as I understand it, uh, she moved to France. Yeah, uh, and and published this graphic novel there. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it too, actually. Um, oh yeah, that movie's great. I didn't even think about what it meant, like at this exact moment in history. But yeah. Um, that's if you're if you're following what's happening in Iran right now, like Persepolis is a really good movie to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I love yeah. I love that, that like a scene where the police are getting on her case for like she's like wearing something or she's like walking too close to the guy or something. And they their reasoning for giving her a hard time is because it makes her bottom sway in a provocative manner. And she oh. just snaps back and then stops staring at my ass. Yeah, she's she's running the class. the correct answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is the correct answer to that. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Great and, movie. Yeah. And I think that part where she goes to Austria really strikes home that, like, yeah, the movie reminds us that it's rough to be a woman anywhere, but, like, doubly so to be a foreign woman. Hmm. Um... And a thing that I think is really nice in it is that despite how it shows you a lot of horrific things happening, it always manages to pick a good spot to spring back with something funny. Yeah. <laughs> like even when it gets really heavy, even as because at the beginning, she's just naive. Right. But even as she yeah. becomes older and and hurt by life, then there's just those moments, right? Where <laughs> I like where she she comes out of her depression and springs right up and is doing aerobics and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Like um, a good example of that is early on when they're like they're shopping and they're trying to find like they're finding whatever food is left in the completely raised supermarket, and they're mm. like they find like a can of beans, and her mom's like, "Oh, we can uh, make chili," and then. And, and the kids are like, oh, yay, then we can fart all night. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's finding the comedy in the fact that there's no food in your city. Uh, I remember when it came out, the ad or trailer or whatever that they showed was uh, the kids secretly sharing Western media at school. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. So the the one holds up a Bee Gees album. They're like, cool. And the other girl holds up an ABBA album and they go, ABBA's for wimps. <laughs> <laughs> I remember somebody mispronouncing it. It was like uh, Jackal Mikeson or something he says. Oh, like right, He says right. the name wrong. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was good. You know, it's kind of like this movie, uh, partly because it's black and white, but also the content. It's kind of like the NFB short Here and There by a Bombsuin. Oh, but, yeah. But higher production and heavier subject matter. Yeah. 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 
Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I quite enjoyed it. Um, anyway, that's basically my deal for the week. What did you do, Matsy? Well, Micah, I realized that it is scary season now. It's October. Oh. We're getting to Halloween. And not to get ahead of what we're going to do later, but I decided that every week this month, I am going to watch a scary, spooky cartoon hmm. and review it here. Just a little mini review. Okay. So, for my first review, let's get ready for the bone-chilling horror that is Big Mouth. Oh, jeez. All right. Season 2, Episode 1. Am I normal? <laughs> man, oh man. I hope some people tongue kiss in it. Uh, no. Oh, okay. Um, that's one of my cartoon pet. I think I've mentioned that. I yeah. hate that. Anyway, it opens with a recap of the previous season where a bunch of incomprehensible stuff happens because you can't recap an entire season like that, centering mm. around four different characters. Um... But one of the important things is that one of the boys, Jay, and the girl, I guess there's two girls, actually. Um, one of the girls, Jesse, have run away from home. <laughs> okay. It opens with them in the back of the pickup, having gone as far as they can. And in the back of the pickup, it turns out, was Jay's previous girlfriend, his pillow. Ah. Who he threw away, I guess, or lost or something, but now the pillow has a baby pillow. Huh. Anyway, we now go to the basketball locker room, because the kids play basketball, I think, where two of the kids, Andrew and Nick, are having a conversation about how Andrew seems to have grown really big, but Nick has almost gotten smaller. There's a huh. basketball game which they lose because their coach is ineffective. And, you know, it's like the joke that all cartoon sports teams have where they're just the 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 school district losing team and they always lose. Mhm. Mm so, and it ends with a hilarious gag where they're their coach is lactose intolerant, and the Gogurt burglar is around. Ooh. Ah. Hmm. Uh, the police are at Jessie's house talking to her parents, who are getting separated because her mom in the last season uh, had a lesbian affair. Huh. Uh, Nick, he is the small child. He has a, um... So the kids in this have hormone monsters, or should I say the males have hormone monsters? The girls have a hormone monstrous. I don't okay. know why they applied a gender specific term to a non-gendered word, but woo. <laughs> uh, anyway, his hormone monster is old and uh, doesn't work properly. And, um, I won't go into detail about how he doesn't work properly, but there are certain things that pubescent boys do that his hormone monster is giving him bad instruction on. Alright. Uh, Andrew, the tall kid, well, t well, seemingly tall kid, is arguing with his parents because he lost the big basketball game, and angrily, his dad forces his mom to wax off Andrew's terrible 12-year-old mustache. Jeez. This was one episode? That's how many episodes? Yes. Okay. One episode. This is all one episode. A lot it seems it's it's little um it's little snippets. It jumps in little segments from character to character. Oh, it's like the Peanuts cartoon then, kinda. Uh kind of. Alright. Um now we go to Jay and Jesse, who are in a motel. And they they like each other, it turns out. But uh as they are kissing Jesse gets freaked out when Jay says that he's 40 in his mind. Hmm. And the fact that he wants to be 40 and Jesse is 13 freaks out Jesse. 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Andrew and Nick consult. These hormone monsters are invisible to everyone but the children. And uh, Andrew agree. He's he's upset about his lack of mustache, but Nick is upset with his defective hormone monster, which Andrew agrees sucks. Uh, Jesse back at the motel and her hormone monstrous uh, commiserate in the bathroom while Jay is seduced by the motel room pillows. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nick goes to the doctor to make sure he is developing properly. He is um, insecure about how small he is. Uh, Andrew at school. He's he has a meaningless conversation with the other female character. Uh, and then back at the um, uh, back at the doctor, Nick um, basically gets told that there's nothing they can do. And he's just a late bloomer. But also he meets the coach there who it turns out is what they call a man baby. All right. Hmm. Um, yeah. Jesse and Jay are at a restaurant and then they have an argument and decide that they should probably go home. Um, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps going. <laughs> oh, it keeps going. Yes. I think we're approaching the climax though. Okay. Um Nick Nick has two pubic hairs and one falls out. So now he goes over the edge and almost kills his hormone monster but decides at the last minute that he can't bring himself to do it. Whew. Uh Jesse and Jay arrive home. Uh, Jesse's parents still haven't reconciled. They're still arguing a bunch because divorced parents are funny. Uh, Mm. and then Jay's parents don't care. Uh, Nick, I guess he has a ghost friend in his attic. Oh boy. Uh, who he, who tells him to use his cunning instead of his size to win at the big basketball game, which he does because Andrew, the tall one finally snaps at his, uh, Dad's badgering and climbs into the stands to get him. And while everyone is distracted, Nick cleverly goes between everybody's legs and shoots the winning basket point. (laughs) All right. And it all ends with a photo montage of the lactose intolerant coach repeatedly getting sick, recovering, eating a dairy product that he doesn't know is a dairy product, getting even sicker and so on. Like... A milkshake, an entire block of cheese, squirting milk directly from a cow into his mouth. Please, spirit, I can take no more. Well, it's over. Oh, my God. While you're doing that, (laughs) I googled, what is Nick Kroll famous for? (laughs) (laughs) He's the uh, creator of Big Mouth. Yeah. Uh, He's frequent uh, comedy teammate is John Mulaney and when they're together I think oh it's John Mulaney I like that one Um, let's see so Google tells me what made Nick Kroll famous television Kroll's (laughs) first significant career success came when he co-starred in the ABC sitcom Cavemen based on the Geico insurance TV commercial characters (laughs) (laughs) although the show was cancelled after seven episodes he called his role the most important experience of my professional career (laughs) hmm well uh, I guess you can only go up from there but also there's only so far up you can go I got a backhand compliment him that he must have a lot of pluck to get so much done while having so little to offer (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, like I, I think the best the best thing I enjoy about him is a clip where he's on a radio show and talking about oh, an example that showed that Trump wasn't very good at reading. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whew. So so there you go. Uh, one year, well, over a year in the making because you mentioned Big Mouth in our first episode. Oh yeah. And now I've watched it. God. Uh, now I need to wash my mouth out with soap. So give me some soap, Micah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what I have is Augie and the Cockroaches. Is it refreshing? Let's find out. It was created by Jean-Yves Rambau in 1998. Um, so a little basics behind it. Uh, Marc Dupontevis 
is an animator in the tradition of MGM and Looney Tunes style slapstick, mm. but he's French and so necessarily must seem weird to our perspective. Uh, I remember seeing his shorts on Canadian television, you know, like late at night on Bravo or whatever. Yeah. And I can't remember them that well, except that they were weird. Um, and for that French connection weirdness, they kind of feel adjacent in design to Rayman from Ubisoft Studios. Don't you think? Yeah, a little. Yeah. Anyway, today, uh, Malk is the executive producer and co-founder of Zilam Studios. He's produced many, many, many cartoons, but maybe the better known series are Space Goofs, about an Earth household full of aliens. Yeah. Zig and Sharko, about a mermaid with a shark bodyguard that must keep an amorous dog away from her. It's not a dog, it's a hyena. And oh, I'm, right, right. I am intrigued by that show, actually, because the mermaid looks a lot like a character from Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I'm sort of on board. I, I haven't watched it, but I want to. I'm, I'm interested. It's, it's very much of the style of, like, despite the fact I didn't remember it was a hyena, <laughs> I have watched a handful of them. They're, right. mm, I don't know. Okay. Anyway. All right. Um, and the other one that they're best known for, I'm mean, talking about today, Augie and the Cockroaches, uh, Tom and Jerry sort of cartoon that features a cat, Augie, against a trio of cockroaches, Dee Dee, Marky, and Joey. And there's another cat named Jack who is more violent and also hates the roaches. Yeah. Augie is reportedly named after Iggy Pop. Huh. Uh, okay. Um, because he sung the opening theme to Space Goofs, I guess this is probably right. Yeah, all right. And Dee Dee, Marky, and Joey are probably named after a musical group, the Ramones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what is this? JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? <laughs> anyway, um, the, uh, the show is generally divided into uh thirpisodes thirdisodes three yeah. parts uh so the first one is one track life uh jack the green cat is playing a rudimentary video game in which he plays himself beating up roaches pretty much like his real life <laughs> augie tries to get his attention but jack only wants to play his game Augie tries offering a roast turkey, but that's swatted away. Then he ups the offer by catching the three roaches, but ironically, Jack is only in a mood to beat them up in his video game. So then, from the attic, Augie retrieves a box of toy train tracks, and he lays them all the way down their palatially long banister, around the kitchen, all over the living room, out to the front lawn and back, and over the television set on which the video game is being played, uh, he then runs a toy train all over the place. This draws the attention of the mischievous roaches. They use that train as a conveyance for a lot of stolen food. This is still not enough to get Jack's attention. Anyway, Augie boards a single train car to chase the bugs in the main, uh, in the main train, but all that results is the cyan cat being led through a gauntlet of pain. He's run through a door and a wall. His face and then groin are dragged against the floor. And eventually, he collides with and is flipped by a loose floorboard. When the cat awakes from his concussion, he finds that he's been pinned to the floor like in Gulliver's Travels. Hmm. And the train track has been run over his body and inside and out of his mouth, ears, and nose. Hmm. I actually find this kind of terrible, humiliating fate hard to watch. Um... <laughs> Yeah, like they're <laughs> when the roaches go in him, they're like banging his tonsils like a gong or rattling along his ribs. Anyway. Yeah, and I was just waiting for the inevitable how they get out. But mm. that joke oh, never actually ah. surfaced. No. So uh, the other cat finally gets a game over, but actually his help isn't needed. The cockroach's train car gets into an accidental collision and is launched into a bad fate. Dee Dee gets stuck in a lamp. Uh, Marky is trapped in the answering machine, and Joey gets it worst by going through a meat grinder. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, the train tracks are put away, 
and Jack and Augie play video games together. Hooray! Yeah, nice virtual reality 1998 computer animation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Went to that effort just for one shot at the end. Yeah. Um, the uh, second part is Mousigator. So a package arrives at Augie's house. It's a lawnmower that he must assemble himself. Despite the complexity of the instructions, he successfully assembles the remote control slash automatic lawnmower. It accidentally shreds the exoskeletons of the three roaches, revealing their pink stubbly bodies underneath. Yeah. Uh, when Joey, the smart one, sees the assembly instructions, they steal them, but get cartoonishly shaved by the lawnmower again. Yeah, why did they do that joke twice? I don't get it. Whatever. Because it's funny. Yeah. Um, so over a creepy night, the roaches use those instructions as the basis to construct a killer mouse robot. We get to see its fuzzy black and white vision as it advances on Augie in the kitchen. The berserk robot runs over the counters and cabinets, the table and refrigerator, buzzing all surfaces into dust. The cockroaches take advantage of the unhoused contents from the fridge, but Augie can't defend the food because he's chased off by Mousigator. Until he returns, skillet in hand, a saucepan for each foot like an armored sabaton. Hmm. I, I guess this must be quality cookware if they can stand up to this incredibly destructive robot. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the robot doesn't, well, I was going to say the robot doesn't seem to be able to eat metal, but it did destroy the fridge. stool, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the, at, at any rate, the chase is reversed. Uh, Augie chasing after the mouseigator. And everywhere the chase leads results in floors, walls, staircases, and hallways being reduced to dust. And actually, this is pretty impressive to look at. <laughs> um, when Joey, for some reason, deactivates the robot by remote control, yeah. Augie, <laughs> I guess he figured he was done with it, uh, Augie finally smashes it and deposits the mouse bot into the trash can. Later, the roaches are in their lair and enjoying the stolen foodstuffs, but Dee Dee spits out a seed and unknowingly hits the remote control. Like the Terminator, Mousigator comes back to life, out of control, and berserk! It invades the wall and finds the roaches, and Joey can't deactivate it with the remote. Marky uses a stick of dynamite, but even that's not enough to stop the machine. When it seems the roaches are doomed, Augie busts through the wall. He pits his lawnmower versus Mousigator, resulting in mutual destruction for the machines. Now there's a price to pay for the roaches. Augie has them all tied and on a lead, and he forces them to graze the lawn down since he no longer has his lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like that the roaches get their comeuppance pretty consistently. Yeah, they're bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, last part here. And I suspect the most why does this exist out of all these parts. <laughs> Nine months and counting. Before we even begin, I should mention that the title card has an image of a cat fetus within an egg surrounded by sperm trying to enter it. <sighs> uh, so. Egg mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Boy, you know, between the two, I got to go Augie. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, Augie sleeps soundly, but those bad, bad roaches finesse, finesse a hose under the bed covers and they jump on the air pump that it's attached to. When Augie wakes up and is brushing his teeth, he notices his literally inflated belly. One can only surmise where the hose got to. Ha, <laughs> yeah. Um, when the cat consults some magazines... He figures that he must be pregnant. A vision of motherhood immediately warms him to the notion. He admires his supposed baby bump in the mirror. Of course, the cockroaches find this hilarious. Uh, fully committed to the idea of being pregnant, Augie indulges his cravings. This first time is for strawberries. Uh, he interprets an upset tummy from overeating as the baby kicking. He later uses a video camera against his tummy while he backlights himself with a flashlight. The result is sort of an ultrasound 
and he interprets the grainy picture of his stomach for a womb. He knits some footy pajamas for his future kitten. The roaches continue to have lots of fun over his, his prank, this prank, and they take a moment to disco dance while collectively wearing the pajamas. Yeah, speaking of uh, <laughs> Rayman and Ubisoft. Yeah. Um, so Ozzy indulges an ice cream craving, but exercises in order to keep it all tight despite his pregnancy. Then he feeds a banana craving. When Augie is setting up the baby's crib, he finds the roaches chilling in there, so he chases them out. But he gets tripped, and his rotund body bowls over some vases, only to have him and the vases reloaded like bowling pins. Jack intervenes, then, and swats the roaches under a rolled newspaper. This is the first time for Jack to see Augie in this state, and he simply punctures the other cat with a toothpick, causing Augie to deflate. When reality sets in, he is heartbroken to find that he's not with child. To bed he goes, but there he notices the air pump. That night, he turns the tables by sneaking the hose into the cockroach's bed. They inflate, I guess, and actually float like a balloon. Augie removes the wall grate and opens the door so the sleeping bugs can float off and, if the sound effect can be trusted, eventually burst. <laughs> okay, so we got some Augie and the cockroaches. Yeah. Um, well, for starters, the cartoon is well animated. Yeah. And, you know, following the show's commitment to classic cartoons, the soundtrack syncs very well with the action. Yeah. I mean, this is, um, th this is expertly like a classic cartoon. It's but, really competently made, I thought. Yeah, yeah. All that... I don't, uh, I don't know how much Mark de Pontivis is involved in all this stuff, but it's definitely his style. I guess they, is it, a lot of these guys are kind of his apprentices or, you know, at least thematically similar to him. Um, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, besides the one episode, the pregnant episode, one has to question the appeal of these characters, or at least yeah. we do, I think. Yeah. Like, cockroaches. They must be one of the least liked animals. Yeah, probably. Like what? What do people like less than cockroaches? Uh, mosquitoes, maybe? Yeah, um, well, I mean, mosquitoes, mosquitoes just irritate you. Like you're like, yeah. oh, man, there's a mosquito. But cockroaches are like it, it, it trigger revulsion. Oh, sure. Like, oh, cockroach. And, and well, they get everywhere, too. Yeah. Like anywhere where there's cover, they'll lay eggs. Yeah. So. You know, I was I was down south for a long time. Man, cockroaches are everywhere there. And you'd be horrified, like, using a computer keyboard and just having, like, little roaches come out of there. Ooh. Yeez. Yeah, pretty horrific. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know. And the way they look isn't selling them either. Not really, no. I don't find Augie that nice, either, truthfully. I don't like how the cats have these yellow dots around their whiskers, like where the whiskers yes. go that come out of their bodies, they have these yellow circles. It's just yeah. weird. Like, I don't understand it. I guess the pregnancy episode, the nine months, is Augie at his most charming. Yeah. Because he shows us, like, you know, that he <laughs> was so excited about the pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But, but here's the thing. This doesn't, this not only exists, this thrives. Hmm. This this year, there's going to be an eighth season of this show. They're not all consecutive. <laughs> there's like breaks, right? Like, so yeah. it wasn't on for three years or something. But uh, yeah, there's eight seasons of this show. And there's a theatrical movie, too. I did not know that. Oh, uh, I think it's in theaters. It's a movie at any rate. I started watching it before we recorded, so I didn't get very far into it. But hmm. yeah, I know there's geez. like a weird like reboot or something on Netflix where there's an elephant. Um, well, yes, that's that's the eighth season. It's mm. a reboot, but um, I can't remember who, who who is quoted here, but it's probably the, the creator said that technically it's the eighth season. Huh. Wow. Yeah, so they, they added Poochie the elephant, I guess, <laughs> to it. Poochie, but, yeah. Oh, they needed a new character, so they added Poochie. Well, okay, like, this apparently was on Nickelodeon. So when I asserted that Americans might not know this, maybe I was wrong. Hmm. So maybe they do. But also... If you just like Google 
uh, Augie and the Cockroaches, there's so much stuff out there. Like, this is one of those things where you're going to find, like, kids doing an acapella version of the opening. I do like the song. Do like you? This, this gutter, like... Bleh, bleh, bleh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, like... I gotta imagine the look of the show combined with the theme song has made many a parent go, ugh, turn this off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't watch this ugly thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like that generation's you can't do that on television. Right, but this is popular too, because like, like I'm saying, it's like, if you're to look up videos for this, you find it translated into Hindi, um, I think into Russian too. Hmm. So, I don't know, maybe... Maybe cockroaches are, like, more matter-of-fact for people in different places where they're not like, oh, that's a gross animal. Don't base a mm. cartoon around that. Maybe? Yeah. I, don't I don't know. know. Yeah. I, I get, don't know. Do you think I was wrong to ask why this exists? Well, I had like, no idea there was eight seasons of this flipping thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, you think... Like, I remember, you know, I would see commercials for it on, like, Teletoon or whatever channel it was, and I was like, well, that looks dumb. I'm not going to bother. Um, the only reason it came back into my mind was actually when I was watching Daily Motion and I was watching Popeye's Protect the Weakerest. Oh, yeah. Uh, all the recommendations below that were, um, the, the best, like, like a series of videos of like the best episode of Augie and the Cockroaches. <laughs> this was number seven. Oh, uh, the, the specifically the nine months and counting. Um, was the seventh best Augie and the Cockroaches episode, according to this uploader. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, Augie and the Cockroaches. That's something we should watch. It's really, it's really weird. Because like we noted, they're not bad cartoons. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's nothing about it that makes you, like, if you're, like, I, you know, I was a fan of cartoons, but there was nothing about this that made me go, ooh, I gotta watch that. Right. Why does it exist? Well, apparently people are happy that it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> uh, what else can we say about this? Um, no, I think that's about it. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> there are minor uh, details. Like, I like how every room in the house has, like, you know, uh, fish wallpaper or something like some kind of wallpaper that's really good i like the number the sheer number of things throughout the gigantic house that augie has his name on like his mug the bath mat in front of the toilet oh right right the the doorbell the doormat like it's just everything just has augie's name on it i think jack's a visitor that's that's in reaction to the cockroaches i assume sure i guess yeah but yeah that's pretty much it. Well, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. Uh, ironically, we'll go from from. Well, I think we should go to something a little indecipherable. Yeah. OK. Cypher. Uh, this is a 1989 animation. It's an O.A.V. Um, mm-hmm. Original. Animation uh, video. Oh, okay. Thank you. I, was, yeah. I couldn't remember. Um, it's based on a manga, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, a helpful comment on YouTube tells me that it's about these twins named yeah. Cypher and Shiva. Uh, and there's this girl who's dating one of them, but she can't tell them apart. Mm-hmm. Um... I, 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 I'm kind of at a loss... For how to even recap this thing, because I found it indecipherable. Yeah. It's, it's Ironically named. Here's what I got. It's in New okay. York. Yeah. Uh, there's these two guys who look the same and question mark are lovers. Uh, yeah. The YouTube comment assures me that they're not, but like. You you sure can't tell that from this thing where they kiss and stuff. Mm. Um, I guess there's... I guess if you just took it by song by song, you would. I guess have yeah, it's various yeah. songs in this. Um, 
there's the girl starts dating him. Uh, I guess one of them is like a, a, a child actor and there's a movie about football that he's in in New York. Uh, also, the the one of them is like walking around New York at night, having left the other one who might have been sick. I'm not sure. There was a shot of him with a cloth on his forehead. Um, and then eventually he comes back. Um <sighs> I think the, uh, the the movies in L.A. You know, all those <laughs> all oh, okay. those palm trees and stuff. Oh, but. I didn't even I didn't even catch that. But yeah, that's true. There's a it, little bit the, of documentary stuff where somebody's like interviewing the guy about oh, yeah. what it's like being him. Um, oh, in, in English, yeah, sort of, yeah, relatively good. The interviewer I thought was relatively good. Like it actually like sounds like an interviewer. Um, I guess I guess fluent English speakers, not actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, they make me think of Tommy Wiseau, right? <laughs> I did not hit or I did not. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I'm kind of at a loss here because this thing is so it's just scenes of people doing stuff that. The impression that I get is that there is no, again, YouTube comments. I'm, I needed a lot of explanation from other people for this. And the explanation yeah. was, you're not going to understand this if you haven't read the manga, but the manga is really good. Well, have you read the manga? I have not. I feel like I would ruin how weird this is. Okay. This is basically just a bunch of music videos to American music for the most part. Uh, yeah. Um, that um what do they got here hear it for the boy oh man uh, that's been living in my head yeah um what do we got here we got footloose <laughs> yeah footloose against all odds mm-hmm. uh you know by phil collins um kamikaze by uh the thompson twins <laughs> is in there yeah yeah. Yeah. It's just a bunch of music videos. They got one part that's kind of like the Beatles where uh, Shiva and Cypher are running away from adoring girls and hop in a car to get away. And they, they like reuse shots <laughs> through. Okay, yeah. So this is like. This is um, this animation studio Magic Bus does some very clean work here with lots of details, lots and lots of lovingly, lovingly detailed high top Converse sneakers. Um, yeah. <laughs> Though Pretty much. really, I would say the ratio of fully animated shots versus still shots with camera moves or very, very limited animation is probably about one to five. Yeah, yeah. Um, your typical uh, anime fan drawings of guys with pointy, pointy chins. Um, oh, and really for, slender for, and long. Oh, and for shoujo too, there's like, one sect, I guess, or tradition of just like broad shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, choosing, making the, in retrospect, unfortunate decision to highlight how much this is New York, not by showing the uh, Statue of Liberty, but by showing the World Trade Center. Oh, over and times. over again. And it's uh, that weird cube is from the Guggenheim, I think. Yeah. yeah uh, probably. Yeah, probably something yeah. like that. Um yeah, and the subway and everything. Yeah, this is New York here. Yeah, um, but I just thought like the number of times that it showed the Twin Towers. Did you watch any of the documentary making of afterward? <laughs> no, they, you you gave me the impression that there was no point and not I was already really, no. really confused. So I was not like, really. Yeah. yeah, but but they, one they do note in talking about New York is that they wanted to put the Twin Towers in as many shots as they could. Huh, good um, for them. <laughs> and in the other bit, I the other bit that's worth, well, like I said, it's, it's it's 20 more minutes and it's terrible. But one other part that I thought was pretty funny was they introduced the voice actors, right? Again, like usually uh, white or Eurasian people in Japan that are terrible actors. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, a line reading, right? Where usually thought to be gauche where like a director tell the director acts it out with the uh, expectation that the actor will do it the same way. Mm-hmm. Usually frowned on because the actor wants to bring his own kind of thing to it, right? Yeah. But anyway, the voice director is doing that, and she delivers the line really well. <laughs> and then he's just freaking awful afterward. 
Yeah, okay, so what I understand this manga to be about, um, so yes, there's these twins, and they uh, are like, one's an actor, one's a musician, but for fun, they swap all the time, whether it's acting or school or whatever. Okay. Um, And yes, the, the, the girl falls for one of them, and then, you know, I guess is bamboozled once or twice by the, the fact that the other one subs in. And then she takes a wager. She's going to live with them for two weeks. And at the end of which she will be able to figure out which one is which. Which, okay, that's not a bad premise for a comic. No. And I think it would have been an okay premise for a 20-minute animation. So why'd they do this? <laughs> yeah. Um... I really don't know. Um, it's it's bonkers. It's it you is. Know, it's, it's notorious. Okay, it's notorious for being confusing, having terrible voice acting, and for having these uh, uh, American <laughs> American musical video parts to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I can't say much about it because, like, it's it's really incomprehensible. Like, yeah. It. Why does this exist? Because there's people who read the manga who might want more. Um, oh, but, but got so that, much less. That's that's a really flimsy reason for a thing to exist. Augie and the cockroaches makes more sense than this. <laughs> so I win. We win. Everybody wins. Um. Oh. Speaking what? of Wednesday, uh, follow up <laughs> yeah. to last uh, time, uh, yeah. the Adams family, right? Okay. You know how I was saying that, and I used this for the Celery Stalker slogan. I used a bit of Cousin It. Okay. And I was saying that Cousin It was Snoop Dogg, and I was like, "Hey, wait a minute! Isn't he just speak gibberish?" Yeah. And I I mentioned offhand is like, I guess it's like you know, reverse distorted, pitched up Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Well. When I had that audio in the editor as I was making the podcast, I looked at it and went, hey, it would take me like two clicks to reverse this and listen to it backwards. Uh, Okay. It's it is pitched up and it is a little distorted, but you can hear Snoop Dogg saying rubber baby rubber baby buggy bumper. (laughs) Oh, and that's cousin it. Uh, I think I just saw on Colbert that uh, maybe it was Colbert that or no. One of those talk show guys doing jokes uh, that Snoop Dogg has released a uh, onion ring for people who like marijuana. That guy's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Why not? Uh, and with did, that, did he did he ever make his supermarket the Snooper Market? <laughs> if so, I want to shop at one. I at least want to have a walk through one. <laughs> oh man, you're gonna go in there and it's all gonna be Snoopy merchandise. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, whatever. Uh, how about we think about next week? Um, oh, right. Uh, yeah. So next week, um, we're going to jump on this whole Halloween thing that I hear is pretty popular. Huh. Is it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we're going to watch shows or at least episodes that are spooky or Halloween-y, theoretically. Ooh, theoretically. Okay, Matsy. <laughs> Boy, you'll be I, I bet you'll be wishing for more cypher. Well, um, keep in mind, I'm going to be watching my own spooky choice, too. That's true. That's true. Big okay. mouth was just part one. <laughs> well, OK, sandwich it with this. I want you to watch Bump in the Night. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jim Cummings and Rob Paulson at their best. Yeah, one-two punch. Yeah. So, speaking of one-two punches, it's half episodes. The first part is Baby Jail. <laughs> and the second part is Night of the Living Bread. Oh, no. All right. Uh-huh. Well, hey, uh, I got a couple of half episodes for you, too. Oh. Yeah, I have got, and uh, this doesn't sound spooky, and it's probably not, but I tried. Um, okay. At least you'll be able to find it on Disney Plus. The Lion King's Timon and Pumbaa. Uh, and you're going to check out an episode which features the pieces Timon Kyo, 
and Ghost Boosters. All right, that sounds appropriate. I think. We'll see. All right, so that's going to be some spooky stuff. Until then, why don't y'all tweet at us? Give us suggestions about what to watch and what to talk about. What's the very best Augie and the Cockroaches episode? (laughs) I am at DrabSwatch on Twitter. I am at AC Matsy on Twitter. Tell everyone what a good podcast this is. And, uh, you know, we review hot stuff like Cypher. And, um, yeah. So, I guess... I, I guess this episode is actually going to be coming out right around the time of Thanksgiving, which we didn't even really touch. Um, I, for one, am thankful for the Celery Stalker slogan, which is this. So, what do you want to eat? Yogurt. Top it with vanilla ice cream. Raisins. Okay, okay. <laughs>